welcome to the Odds Checker Aintree Grand National Meeting Day 1 Preview. We've got three expert guests alongside me. Firstly, Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding. How are you doing, Andy? Very well. Very good Enjoy. to have you here. And you were in flying form along with racing broadcaster and journalist at Cheltenham Festival, Tony Calvin, who joined us well as well. How are you doing, Tony? Yeah, not bad. Good. And very happy to have to my right the man we were all missing for Cheltenham Nick Schofield odds checkers racing well jockey ambassador how are you doing Nick very good very good get right into it none of the um, chatting about about the weather and stuff we're going to go straight for the first race of the day and that is of course the, the novice chase definitely this is being recorded on and uh, on Tuesday afternoon so um, the, the decks are in definitely the soul as we know now is out the bag is likely it looks like to run here um, on, in the first on Thursday, and his favourite at nine to four, Glenn Forza is three to one. Kalashnikov four to one. Bags Groove seven to one. Spirit of the Games eight to one. Mengli Khan nine to one. Us and them uh, twelve to one. And Kill the Start fourteen to one. Andy, come to you first. And, and it's in the aftermath of Cheltenham. I mean, it's hard. Obviously, we didn't see Labago while there. We didn't really see either Glenn Forza or, or Kalashnikov there due to both of them not finishing the race. So, how are you picking apart this one? Well, now Labagawoy looks like almost certainly running here. Um, it makes a lot of life a lot easier with regards, kind of like studying this race and, and <coughs> moving on to the, to the on to the Friday and, and looking at that race at face value because by far and away she brings the best form to the table here, courtesy of that victory over the top of the game and Santini at, at Kempton uh, over the Christmas period. Uh, we all know how well that race worked out at Cheltenham with top of the game beating Santini. And on the day, the bag of war proved too strong. I had my slight doubts. That was one of the big mistakes I made of the week of uh, suggesting that uh, top of the game might not get home up the hill against stronger stays like Santini and Dell to work. And that proved to be a misgiving because Paul Nichols' charge certainly relished every, every yard of that three-mile trip. And he looks the best three-miler we've seen. But the great thing about Warren Gracious uh, is that she's got that flexible... Um, flexibility between two and a half miles and three miles and of course you can drop back here into the two and a half mile race and uh, take a chance and be just as competitive um, her sectionals were very good that day at Kempton uh, well documented a couple of seconds quicker than um, the King George itself on the final circuit so she has got a bit of speed and stamina I think it's a wise decision as well by connections to miss Cheltenham um, she's been there two or three times hasn't really handled the undulations the flatter track will suit she'll go here fresh as well I think that's another theme we'll talk about today and when you're backing horses at Aintree largely speaking you want to be looking for something that hasn't had a bruising encounter at Cheltenham obviously one or two do book the trend um, but yeah this doesn't now look the, the most classiest or the strongest of races um, with, without Defi de Soy you'd certainly have to give Glenn Force for another uh, favourable mention. Um, he was a bitter blow for me on the first day when he unseated Ryder at the th second or the third. I think it was the second. Um, he hadn't put a foot wrong all season and then he, he ships up a channel and just doesn't get high enough. Um, caught the top and down he went. But up until that point he looked really good and I think the two and a half miles will actually end up suiting him. Obviously on the day at Cheltenham, the two mile trip on soft ground, we all thought that was going to help him. And it, <laughs> of course we never got to find out. Um, but he's been going really well subsequently at home, so I've been told. Um, and he also goes there fresh. And the only other one I could probably throw to the mix uh, would be uh, Spirit of the Games, who ran really well in the, in the Brown Advisory. Um, he was the only one that day that came from off the pace. 
I think when he went out to the final circuit, he had about three or four behind him. He's made up an amazing amount of ground in the final mile and a half. He actually ran around the inside of the track as well, which definitely wasn't favourable. Um, so ultimate, ultimately, it was a really good run, uh, and the yard's in great form. So it's a fairly easy race to summarise now. I think the Bagger Roy will be a deserved favourite. I think she's around about the two to one mark. She's the most likely winner. Um, with Glenn Forster and Spirit of the Games um, honourable, honourable mentions for the uh, the second and third spot. Tony, do you agree with that? Yeah, um, obviously the shape of the race changed completely after Deffy to sort of uh, knock to join his, and is out. It was a bit annoying because he did kind of make the market. He was about even money, and I think you know there's there's a fair few you could have put up against him. He kind of like I said, he made the market. Now, in his absence, La Bagawa being redirected here on the back of Defi Dussault's absence and the, and the, and the rain uh, on Monday night. We should just say, you didn't mention the rain, I mean, uh, the weather. They did get more than expected yeah. on the Monday night. Uh, it's now edging towards soft. They, were, they have been watering as well. They were watering on Saturday. So I think it's, and with the forecast, if the forecast for Thursday comes to fruition and it's, and it's, you know, and it's meant to arrive early on Thursday, then I think you're probably going to be looking at soft ground on the Thursday. Whether or not, you know, that it dries up from then, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, that's a, uh, obviously that's a factor. Uh, we haven't, um, Andy, just pretty much summarised um, the whole field there. I don't think you mentioned Kalashnikov. I think, obviously, he was too early to say how he would have gone, but obviously <coughs> un very unlucky unseat stroke brought down at, at Cheltenham. I would echo spirit of the games. Um, I've... Even at uh, with Deffy coming out, Spirit of Games is very interesting. Uh, off um, uh, around about eight to one, I think it's eight to one with Betfair and Paddy Power as we speak. I think that's probably too big each way. Um, I think that plate's really strong form. Um, if you take out the bag of war with her you know, sex allowance, this is really up for grabs. And like, I'm a big fan of, of handicap form in, in this kind of company. So for me, at the current prices as we sit here around about uh, on just early Tuesday afternoon spirit of the games eight to one each way for me it's it's a really really competitive race it's not helped by the fact that uh, if you are backing a horse that <laughs> likes to go forward five of the eleven still in the race at the four year, uh, the uh, five day stage like to go forward so there could well be a lot of pace in there but that could suit the likes of a, a spirit of the game so yeah spirit of the games are eight to one for me but it is a very very trappy race and uh, I think if you're backing the favourite around about I think nine to four with Betfred as we speak I think uh, the bag are at 9 4 uh, with Betfred, it's very fair as well. But um, Spirit of the Games, each way eights. Interesting to note that, as, as you say, Spirit of the Games is 8 to 1 with Betfair and Paddy Power, 9 to 2, they were Bet365 and 4 to 1 with Unibet. So that might suggest that, that 8 to 1 won't last particularly long. You'd assume those two firms have obviously seen a little bit of money for that today since Steffi Dassault came out. Nick, given the, you know, I, I mentioned the, the fact that both um, you know, Kalashnikov uh, was brought down. And, uh, and Glenn Forza had that fall early on. I mean, as a jockey going into a race like this, how unideal is that as prep going into this? Or can you draw a line through it and, and move on to this one and, and hopefully that class will tell? Yeah, I think, that, like you say, they can draw a line through it because Glenn Forza going into the arc was renowned as one of the best jumpers and that was his forte. And for that to happen was very unfortunate. I think it was an uncharacteristic mistake. And, um, you know, his jumpers looked very short-footed and Kalashnikov, it wasn't his fault why he got unseated. And... But you still, he's still on the back of a bad run at Kempton behind Glenn Forza. So there's still doubts between them two. I'm just going to throw, you know, Andy and Tony have pretty much covered it all. But I thought Bag, Bag's groove would um, come in here fresh and well. And, and, you know, speaking to Harry Fry is 
um, quite confident um, the horse needs to be fresh. When he took on Labago Royal at Kempton, he was on the back of only 10 days winning previously at Huntington, and mm. he's a very good jumper. Um, you know, on his day, is you know, he's been trained specifically for this race, so um, he's coming in here probably confidence high after winning at Kempton last time. Very good jumper, and um, could be just one outside the box to look at. Yeah, so bags group there seven to one. That's for Labrooks Hills and Coral. The short was eleven to two elsewhere. Um, it looks like we kind of rattled through giving most horses a chance there. So, um, but it seems like mm-hmm. like Spirit of the Games is the one that, that Andy and Tony have have got together on for the uh, for a nice leechway play there. Um, but Deffy probably a fair favourite as well. Um, we'll move on now to the uh, the juvenile hurdle, where, where um, it looks like a bit of a match at the top of the market too. Um, Cheltenham Heroes and Band of Outlaws and Pentland Hills 13 to 8 the pair. Uh, Fakir Duderi is a 6 to 1. Christopher Wood 8 to 1. Fan Fan de Sol 16 to 1. Um, and Tony, I'll come to you here first yeah. because Pentland Hills was one that you flagged up to listeners and, and viewers in the Cheltenham podcast. Um, obviously, Sir Eric's uh, fall and, and sadly fatal injury um, cast a bit of a cloud over, over the whole event. But yeah. as such, you know, did the run of Pentland Hills go slightly under the radar? I think he did, yeah. Um, he didn't look too promising early on because he, uh, he overjumped at the first and uh, Nico de Boyville did well to stay on. But other than that, he, he travelled really well throughout the race. He, he tanked through the race on the inside, uh, came into the race really well uh, and I really picked up after the last. So yeah, I, I do think um, it went slightly under the radar, the merit of that performance. Um, on the back of that, I have had a... I know, um, you know... Juveniles tend to struggle in the following year, but I, I've, I've had a little bit on him at 33s each way for the champion because I think the champion hurdle's got a very changeable nature. Um, so, yeah, um, I, the problem with this race is, um, you know, I, I made a comment on, on, on social media um, on Monday night. It's just, it's got clearly got uh, the shape of the race that bookmakers don't, you know, normally like because. It's, um, it's likely to maybe well cut up to less than eight runners. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, there's a nice each way shape to the race. That said, uh, when, you, when, you, when you bet each way in these kind of races, you really want um, a chance of winning. And I think at the current prices, uh, it tells you everything you need to know. I think wherever you shop around, you've got Penton Hills at 30 to 8 and Banders Outlaws, the, the impressive Boodles winner at the same price. You know, I think, you know, I think you might be clutching at straws trying to get one of those two big one might underperform uh, but I doubt both will and if one of those runs to their best then I would struggle you would struggle to you know to get them beat Band of Outlaws has got another engagement on the Friday but I think it comes here and you know everything about those two suggests their head and shoulders you know that said I'm sure you know people make a case for uh, somewhat bigger prices you won't see a better jumper especially from the youngsters than song for someone you know whether or not that would have liked better ground. We shall see. Elysier's forms, um, you know, that's a Newbury handicap fourth has worked out really well. That would give him a chance. Obviously, you've got uh, Paul Nichols' unbeaten horse and Fakir Duderiz. Uh, we don't, the third favourite, you don't know if that's going to run, but that's got three entries. But Presumably, uh, that's the one you'd take each way if you had an unknown bet, which you don't have here. So. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't know. Uh, yeah, normal unknown bet, obviously, you would play Fakir Duderiz, but I think. They're likely to split them up, aren't they? And it's got entries on Friday and Saturday. For me, like I said, if you are, maybe there's a bit of 25 sold for someone, maybe each way if you are going to play. But 
like I say, I think you are clutching at straws if you're trying to get the first two in the market beat. And if you are taking 25 to each song for someone, you're probably taking well under the odds on the win part just to get the place part. But you know that may well tempt some in. But for me, it's between the between the top two, and I don't have any arguments about them being joint favourites because they were both highly impressive at the festival. Andy Band of Outlaws obviously landed a bit of a touch for Joseph O'Brien at the festival. Um, very impressive as well. How are you viewing this? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one for me because the clash between um, Pendant Hills and Band of Outlaws is almost happening 12 months too early for, yeah. <laughs> for, for my liking because I've put up both Pendant Hills and Band of Outlaws in my, one of my latest columns for next year's Champion Hurdle. Obviously, Tony's already on uh, Pendant Hills. That 33s just look too big. Um, I think he was one of the most impressive winners of the Triumph Hurdle I've seen for a little while, given that he made that mistake at the first. That would have normally knocked a, mm. uh, any kind of horse out, yeah. let alone a juvenile, having only had the one run. Um, obviously, we lost Sir Eric, so you could argue that the, the form has been slightly diluted, or it wasn't as strong to win as it probably might have been. But they went a good gallop in that um, Triumph Hurdle. How do the speed figures compare? Yeah, they, well, yeah, I always like to talk about the, the, the figures at Cheltenham because I think they usually work out as the season goes on and into next year. Um, I was waiting for something to come along and clock a really good time from a juvenile going into the festival. We didn't really have one, but he comes out of the festival, uh, top of the tree, courtesy of his running that triumph. And he, he not only ran a fast overall, but he, he ran the last circuit at the same time as Chidabello, uh, who won the county hurdle. And that's always a good guy for me. Yeah. I've got a juvenile that can run as quick as an 140 odd, 50 odd mm. handicap hurdler. The handicaps usually go quicker. So that suggests to me that he's above average. You know, he's probably run to something in the 140s. Uh, made, made, and he's probably capable of more. He could have gone even quicker had he, had he not run, uh, had he made that bad mistake. And Tony already alluded to the fact that he went around the inside as well, which is arguably on the worst yeah. part of the track. So he did everything wrong and yet still won going away. I think he's seriously talented. I was just looking at last year's, um, um, next year's um, champion hurdle betting after, immediately in the aftermath of Cheltenham. And I couldn't believe that these two, the band of outlaws yeah. and pendants of the price, they are given. The sort of doubts about quite a few others, yeah. like Apples Jade, Melon Arena, Benny de Dois. I mean, the, all these horses were quoted half the odds of these two. Yeah. And we saw Espar, Dwalant, Dalan do the catch it kind of um, mm. thing uh, the year after. It's almost impossible to choose. Band of Outlaws, similarly as well, he clocked a very fast time when he won the, the, the Fred Winter, making a mockery of his mark, quickened up really well. His jumping was slick. He got hampered about three or four times as well. I think he would have won by further. Uh, and his star companion star Max, who finished 11th, has won since. So that Fred Winter looks a good form line. Mm. The bookmakers have got it right. It's 13 08, one, seven to four, the other. It's which horse is going to handle the track and the conditions rather than anything else. I don't think there's a great deal between them. I'd probably go for Pendlands because I think the Triumph Hurdle is obviously a grade one and the other one's a handicap. Plus the fact that he won round Plumpton and he showed an amazing amount of speed that day. I think I flagged up the circuit time that yeah, day. It was yeah. incredible. It was like 40 seconds quicker, than, 40, 40 lengths quicker than uh, Brandon Castle. Um, I was just worried that Cheltenham might not suit it, and, and the plan was always Aintree, and Cheltenham was a bit of an afterthought, oh, go on, we'll give him a day out. Yeah. So, like a fool, I, I left him alone. Um, but I do think Pendlands is a very good horse, and I'm, I'm hoping one of them will do something spectacular and their odds con will contract considerably yeah. uh, for, the, for, for the champion on next year because I think both of these two are very, very smart. Looking at this now, I mean, you've got, uh, I think, as we've already mentioned, two horses who, who come into this with, with reputations growing fairly quickly. I mean, as a jockey, who would you rather ride of the two? Pendlin Hills. I think he's, you know, for, for his second run going around and winning a triumph was magic. Um, 
he looks a really straightforward horse and um, yeah no obviously Pentland Hills would be a brilliant ride but I, I do like Fakadaderi's of the, the JP Romanis uh, Joseph O'Brien I think the Supreme run against older horses was a brilliant run um, and I like the way he hit the line and got fourth up the running um, if he did happen to turn up here I'd be I'd be looking towards him and you know, with St. Eric, obviously he would probably be in there trying first string if if he if if they didn't have him. So um, for me, that you know, if he turns up, he'd be a big big player. Look, look, just getting on about Faco Didris, I don't want Tony thought. Mm. I think I, I don't think the Supreme novices was a, was a good race this year. I think it was won by a very good horse. He's another player for next year's champion if they go down yeah. that route. Classical dream, and it was noticeable that that race was. A uh, couple of couple of seconds quicker than the champion hurdle on the final circuit, so that tells you that that race is good. Mm. And Fakaduderis just got outpaced. Um, I, I backed him and thought he he was probably good enough, but he just wasn't quick enough. But he stayed on very strongly, having made a bad mistake at the second last, landed on his back legs and couldn't get going again. But I think he wants further. He just shaped that day yeah. out that he wants two and a half, and I'd be I'd be surprised if he was had the speed of Pentland Hills and and Band of Atlas, and, because Bandon of Outlaws in the race, and it's JP, and he does what he wants. But I'd be surprised if Joseph again puts those two, his two best horses. The other options there, exactly, right? it just doesn't make any sense um, why you do that. Uh, I'm surprised that in the in the first place Bandon of Outlaws was here, here anyway. I thought he was a certainty to go to the Grade One at Punchestown, yeah. home soil. Um, so we'll see, but yeah. We'll come yeah. back to you if you're a faculty who dares you on the Friday and the Saturday one, and then at least we'll hit one of them. Now we're going to talk about the Betway Bowl chase. Um, Clan is over is five to two. Kenboy is eleven to four. Bristol Demay after that cracking run in third in the Gold Cup is one hundred to thirty. Uh, Road to Respect eleven to two, and then twenty to one uh, and thirty three to one. Elegant Escape and Balco de Flow. Um, so a small field here for this one, but uh, but a field not short of quality. And uh, obviously Clan is over hoping to leave that uh, well, not necessarily leave the run behind them, but uh, but maintaining favouritism. Uh, just about Tony how are you looking at this I think it's a, a really trappy little race yeah. it, obviously it's, it's down to six runners now so there's no each way angle in the race uh, there's very little between four of them on official ratings um, I think Bristol Demai probably may well be the one to beat but you know he's, would he recall off that off that performance in, in the um, in the gold cup it's you know you could you make cases for the outsiders as well. Elegant Escape will probably, you know, favour, you know, like the rain. But again, would that would that thrive on on the back of that Cheltenham run? The one I'm just looking at, and I would find it hard to articulate the case for it. But I think Balka de Flo is he's still thirty three to one here. Um, now, now that you know the race is cut six on on pure form. If he can come back to that Ryanair form and he's, that Ryanair form last year would put him on a marker. He was rated 168 after that, which puts him in the ballpark of everything else in the race. Um, that's probably, you know, overpriced on that on that basis. The problem is, obviously, he hasn't been at his best this season. But, you know, if you go back, he does stay this trip and he's on the ground. I mean, he was a close second to Road to Respect a couple of years ago on the Christmas chase there um, at Leperstown. I, pro I probably won't have a bet in the race, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, obviously, Kenboy was very, very impressive in the Savills chase, unseated at, uh, at Cheltenham, so you, know, you could argue, you know, didn't have a, didn't have a harder race there for all, for all the, uh, you know, departed early. I, I just thought it was really, really tricky. Um, Bristol, to my, could well be the one that goes forward and gets the run of the race, but like I said, I would be... I would be mindful of the fact that Cheltenham, you know, could have taken a fair bit out of these horses 
I know these Balka de Flo didn't exert himself too much in the Ryanair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for me, if I was going to have put up a put something, I may well lean towards Balka de Flo at 33 to 1. But to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have a bet. So I'm not going to recommend anybody else do as well. And Nigel Twiston Davis has always been um, adamant that, that Bristol de Mai doesn't need the cut on the ground and, and a decent run at. At Cheltenham on the back of this, are you surprised? I mean, if the rain does come on Thursday, that's going to be no negative at all. But are you surprised, given the way the Gold Cup panned out, to see Candace Over at the top of the market? I am, I suppose, yeah. Um, I mean, what you've got to remember is that Bristol and Marge went against Clanders about Erbo three times, and the two times that he stood on his, up on his feet, he's, he's beaten him. Yeah. His only uh, um, defeat came in the King George, of course, when he fell. Um, but Bristol, to my largely speaking, is a best, better horse when he's absolutely fresh. I don't think there's many horses that can cope with Bristol to May when he's absolutely kicking the door down. He hasn't had a run for a bit, um, and he runs on a flat track. You know, he runs at Haydock, and as we've seen, Weatherby, places like that. He's almost unbeatable. If they run the Gold Cup there, he'd be short price favourite every year. I don't think he's necessarily ever got the credit he deserves just because of his Cheltenham record. You need, yeah. you always seem to have a, a, a stigma attached to a horse like that. You know, they, they don't do it at Cheltenham. They're, they're, there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Um, I just think the, the rhythm of going up the hill round, round Presbury just doesn't really suit him. So therefore, I thought he ran a really good race in the, in the Gold Cup. Again, probably won't get the credit for that because he didn't win. But ultimately, I think we're dealing with a very good Gold Cup this year. I think it was a stellar race. They, run, they ran out from the start, a Herculean gallop. The fact that Native River couldn't get to the front, it took him a circuit to actually get yeah. to the front, and then he just carried on, took the baton, and then flew down the back to the top of the hill. I mean, Johnson was not scrubbing his ears off just trying to keep him going, and he basically he was, he was almost maintaining a like a world record pace if you were looking at athletics um, match. Um, so much so that their final circuit, um, amazingly, was quicker than the um, Grand Annual by the, by the strength of ten lengths. They would have beaten the win. The winner of the Gold Cup beat Croco Bay by ten lengths on the final circuit, which is incredible, isn't it? Because suddenly they've already run a mile and they've gone flat out for a mile and a half, and then they can still run the last two miles quicker than good quality two-mile handicaps. It just almost doesn't make sense, but the figures don't lie. So I think this year's Gold Cup was good. So therefore, I think Bristol to mate on the flat track will confirm form with Clanders Obo. Um, obviously, we lost Kenboy early on, so arguably he comes here. But I was going to say, do we read anything into the fact that obviously album photo? An impressive winner of what you're saying was a, was Very a great good race. race, yeah. And yet, you know, Ruby was a boy, Ken Boy there. I mean, you'd have to think that he chose, he'd have the choice of the two rides and he'd have gone for Ken Boy. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he probably looked at the betting, didn't he, Ruby, and thought, well, yeah. I'm not going to ride a 25 to one shot when I can ride a yeah. 6 to one shot. Um, and didn't, didn't go off 25 David, though, did No, I know he didn't, no, no, not in the end. But oh, was it Dave Mullins on Ken Boy? Yeah. My mistake. Okay. Um, but either way, I think Ken Boy's got to be a player. But going back to Ken Boy, if you use Ken Boy as a guy and you think, well, okay, you know, all those horses around the Gold Cup had a high race, you know, they, they beat each other, blah, blah, blah. I think Road to Respect's going to be underrated, underrated here or underestimated um, based on the fact that I think the Gold Cup um, Ryanair dilemma decision that they made was probably a spin of the coin. Yeah. I think they looked at the Gold Cup and they looked at the Ryanair and thought, oh, we've got good options in the Gold Cup. Um, Gigastan and we'll, we'll, we'll take a chance over the two and a half mile trip but up until that point Rotary's booked had, had looked a three mile if he's looked a three mile for the last two seasons yeah. he's won grade ones and he was really what you've got to remember he was really unlucky in that um, race that Kenboy ended up winning at Leopardstown 
It was well documented. It was a slowly run race. It suited Kenboy. It got a great ride by Mullins off the front and basically used that horse's tactical speed to win. Now, Road to Respect only got beat seven lengths that day, but he got an awful run through that. He, he, Sean Flanagan tried to go up the inside. He got knocked over at the corner and then he slipped on the home bend. And if you remember when they turned out the back straight, he skidded and, and like almost went down. And he's run on really strongly to only get beat seven lengths in the end. I thought it was a really good effort. He's, he's run behind Friday and was a perfectly respectable one. You could argue that, again, it's probably have a trip slightly shorter than his best. But it was absolutely, there was nothing wrong with his run. But three miles on a flat track here, being as he hasn't had the complete ball breaker that the other horses have had in the Gold Cup over further, I think that might just do him a favour. And, and he's, what, 11 to 2 in front of me here, I think. Yeah, 11 to 2 best price. Yeah, I think that's a wave. fair, fair bet. Uh, for road to respect. Just coming up to the Cheltenham Times, you, you mentioned the Gold Cup. Yeah. Would you view that very positive time? Could that be a negative as well because they run too hard? What? How did? How did the Ryanair shape up time-wise? Um, that was a good one. Good one as well, but it wasn't as good overall. Um, furlong per furlong. Um, the, the, the Gold Cup was the best race I've got on the on the figures for. That's two or three seasons. Yeah, because yeah, I say sometimes the positive could be a negative because if they did a go, go real ball breaking mm. pace, there, I mean, it could well be they could recall from. That Absolutely, point. yeah. I mean, when you do keep figures, obviously, when I download my sheet and you see the likes of Bristol Domain Clanders over on top, it's there as a guide. You just yeah. know that they've run to that level yeah. at some stage in their career. Yeah. So you don't always think right just because they're top rated, I'm going to back these every, no. every single time. You have to pick and choose when you back them. I.e. Bristol DeMay, you know he's got that in his locker, you know Album Photo's got that in his locker. So you, you, you punch your box clever, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you have to put the right peg in the right hole and, and Road to Respect, who's run some good figures in his career, um, it's not as if he's got a massive to find, would, would probably be the better at the prices. You think, you know, Clanders over comes into this on the back of a, you know, a long old season and, yeah. and a big season for the horse. You mentioned Bristol Demai going better, going better fresh after that race as well. It does feel like you know, there's a decent likelihood they were going to bounce. So at 5 to 2 and 130. Yeah, like I say, there's, there's, there's too many ifs and buts, I suppose, about a lot of these. Um, you, are, you are guessing which horses recoil, which horses thrive for another run. Yeah. Some horses can take two good runs. Because of their constitution, um, I think to be honest, even the trainers don't know they could work no. at home and they're they're working over a mile at home and they're, they're giving them a great feel. I mean, Nick will tell you that. But when you turn, you put them under under the conditions of a racetrack and you ask them to run three miles flat out again, it's only in that back end of the race when they're really going to start heaving. Yeah, I mean, it's, as a pro, as a jockey's perspective, I mean, you saw obviously like us the Gold Cup and, and you know the pace they went at. I mean, do you feel like that's going to be something that's going to put these horses in a spot of bother coming to this race, or do you think they should be? Yeah, tuned up for it. I think this will be a totally different race to the Gold Cup because you haven't got a native river. You haven't yeah. got if you actually go through what will actually make the running, you know, and what is the ground going to be? If the ground's good, I think Clandesova comes into to a massive chance. I think he he was only five lengths off Bristol to May, but you change ground conditions, I would put Clandesova in front. I thought he travelled brilliantly, jumped superb, and if he had his good ground like he did at Kempton, I think he's a mighty horse. And if if Thursday was to be proper good ground, I think Clandesova's the best horse in the race um, and probably the classiest horse for me but then you've also it brings Ken Boy into it because he'd have a touch of speed in his leopard down on proper good ground so I think ground and pace is you know, going to be massive because you know Elegant Escape will obviously try and make it a test of stamina but he's not really quick enough to go a good gallop he'd need others to do it you know what Bristol de May will probably be ridden more forward than what he was in the Gold Cup so that comes into it it won't be quite the same race as the Gold Cup and 
you know, what the ground going to be. And I think if the ground was genuinely good ground, then Clowns over is probably the classiest horse, as he showed in that. I think he ran very well last year in uh, Aintree, which sort of put him into Gold Cup contender. Interesting. Any more to add on that? No, I think we've no. all summarised it. <laughs> um, on to the entry hurdle now. And uh, Bouvedere looking to bounce back from that forward at Cheltenham is the even money favourite. Uh, Mellon at 6-1, to one, Faheen 7-1, to one, Super Sunday 12-1, to one, um, Chittabello 16-1, to one, Silver Street 16-1, to one, 20 to 1 bar. Um, Andy, I'll come, come to you here first. And I, and I think, I mean, personally, I think that if Bouvedere had, had, had stayed, I mean, I know you've acted as far as I did, but I think if, if Bouvedere had stayed in his feet, then possibly it would be a different price here. Whether or not he'd have won that race, I don't know. Um, how are you, do you see him here as a vulnerable favourite in even money or, or, or one that you'd like to side with? Um, I think if you've, if you've got some nice prices about Bouvedere, you'd be sitting fairly comfortable. Of course, he won this race two years ago, didn't he? He didn't have been a stellar field that day. You know, the new one was up to his old antics, jumping out to the right, old guard was in it. You know, he, he, he couldn't fail that day, so obviously he looked very impressive. But this is a bit deeper than, um, you know, the race a couple of years ago. Um, whether I back him at even money four to five is, is obviously open to question. Uh, um, Fahin, I thought, ran quite well in the, in the stayers. He actually ran better than I thought. A, a lot of people were saying he was going to put it up to Paisley Park, but to me, he was, he was never, ever going to beat a horse of that quality. Mellon's an interesting run. I think he probably looks as though he wants a little bit further nowadays. Um, the ground is very important to Silver Streak. He ran well in the champion hurdle. But I, th I still ultimately think he's better on better ground. Mm -hmm. the, the one I'd probably come back to here, and I've always felt that this was his kind of race, and, that, and that's Super Sunday. Mm -hmm. I, I still can't understand, and I never will, why they connections think this is a three-miler. They must have been watching a different horse than what I, I've been watching for the last two years. He just patently hasn't got three miles. He didn't get it in the stairs again. But two and a half miles around Aintree, he's absolutely towing away from him. He's got a good cruising speed. He goes, he jumps well. And he was second uh, last year to Lamy Serge, of course. Um, so arguably, he's got equally a good a form as Bouvardier. Um, or, you know, he's run, he's run to a similar standard. Um, and because there's doubts about, you know, the likes of brain power, don't think Chip Bellow's good enough, even though connections are, 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 you know, rolling the dice with him. One or two others look as though they've had better days. Well, I still think there's a little bit of juice left in Super Sunday. So I'd be looking to either back him each way outright or maybe even each way without the favour because you've got the dead eight, nine runners. You take Bouvardoy out of it, you've got eight runners. I'd be pretty confident that he'd beat most of those over two and a half miles on a flat track with a bit of give in the ground. And, and um, owner, uh, sorry, trainer as well, saying that he's very hard horse to get fit effectively. So that run at Chatham is probably going to... Possibly, yeah. That, that, that's well. something that, yeah, I haven't really looked into, but... Given the horses in front of me here and, and the shape of this race, it, it's just tailor-made for, for a bit of each way skullduggery. Um, so he'll do it for me. It does look that way, especially with, with Bouvardier's seasons thus far. Tony, are you looking at the each way angle as well? Um, I'd be inclined to maybe just lay Bouvardier around about the even money and have the, have the field running for me. I haven't, obviously, everyone thought he was, he was back to his best in the fighting fifth, and you know that may well have been the case, but clearly... Things haven't gone smoothly since then, and I just think he's he's possibly vulnerable here. Obviously, on form-wise, he's he's got at least half a stone, if not uh, a fair bit more, in hand of these at his best. But I just think he could be vulnerable, uh, like Andy. Uh, I mean, I I was playing Super Sunday, thankfully mostly not one no bet for the Champion Hurdle, and I couldn't believe they they went down the stairs route, especially since they they got uh, they got the ground on the opening day, yeah. the soft ground, and. It was a very strange decision. I, I, 
he clearly gets three miles, but he's not fully effective at it. I mean, he hasn't been beaten prior to blowing out this year. I mean, he hasn't been beaten that far in his runs over three miles, but he just doesn't finish off as strongly as, as you need to in, in the top company. So, yeah, I think the if the if the Cheltenham runner hasn't bottomed him, um, then you know, he clearly is uh, an each-way chance. But... I think, you know, Mellon, I don't think we'll be seeing him making the running. I think they'll let Fahid stride on. Um, Fahid ran okay there. I thought he might run a little bit better. Um, but, you know, he, he ran okay there for a long way. Just There's a, there's a lot in here you can give a chance. It all revolves around if Bouvardier runs his race. I think there are enough reasons to think he may not. Uh, so I'd rather have the field running committee even money than, than Bouvardier. So I'll be looking to lay him on better for about... Like I said, around about the even money mark. And Nick, I can't really ask you here which one you'd like to write because I think we know the answer. Yeah. But, uh, but how do you see this this race shaping up? I'm a massive Bouvier fan. I think he was very unlucky. When you're that quicker jumper and that sort of slicker jumper, you are vulnerable to have a fall at one stage. It was unfortunate as in the champion hurdle. Um, I'm, I just think he will come back and you know show his worth at Aintree. Um, I think a lot of these, if it does come up soft, like things like Verdana Blue, Forheens, you know Melon, they're probably not probably is as effective on this you know on the softer ground and Bouvier Day he's gone on heavy you know I shouldn't think that'd be inconvenience to him and um, he'd have been well schooled since and I think it was just one of those things that happened and you know if he went in I'm sure he'd have been first or second in the champion hurdle in my eyes so if he did do that I'm sure he'd be an even shorter price than what he is. Mm. Uh, poor old just come back to Verdana Blue I mean she's poor old she just never gets her ground in these big races does she? Um, and it looks like you know it could well turn against her if that Thursday rain does turn up. Uh, I thought she was she was well worth a try at this trip as well because I know she got into a little bit of trouble, but she was she was sticking on really well in the Greatwood as well. So I thought I thought the it was worth a try there. But like I said, the ground's going against her. And and an old friend of yours and Somerville boy um, being being back today as well. See a blue and odds track get into a short sixteen to one. Surely. You can't see that. Unless somebody's broken into that yard and swapped the horse over. <laughs> um, I mean, you couldn't have him on your mind, could yeah. you? No, I'm just surprised to see it. I mean, uh, there's I, some. I mean, you, you'd always, you'd always be dangerous to write a horse off completely. Yeah. Um, for instance, Invincible Army on the flat. I put him up last year to win the um, Commonwealth Cup. He was my Commonwealth Cup horse, and everything was going smoothly. One first time out, second in the Sandy Lane to San Zimal. I thought, right, goes back to Ascot. He'd already won there. Great record at the track. Goes a four to one second favourite, having got 12, six, 14 to one about him. And he ends up finishing halfway down the field. And he, he got tailed off on his, on his last run and run since July. And then he comes out first time out this year, and he, he looks at the horse that you think he is. So. They can make fools of your horses, and Somerville boys' victory in the Supreme looked that good at the time. You think, well, he's got to be a champion hurdle yeah. horse, but look, look what's happened to him. He just looks as I don't know. I just can't put my finger on what what the matter is with him. He's, he just hasn't run any races in his two runs so far this year. Uh, where they've been freshened up, and you know they've done something different with him, I don't know. But yeah, you couldn't back him on his two runs this year no. without without that. So on to the Hunter Chase then. Uh, Road to Rome is the 9-2 favourite, having run a cracking race, um, although fading late on, at Cheltenham into fourth place. He's 9-2, Burning Ambition 11-2, Shantou Flyer 7-1, Uccello Conti 7-1, Krujlin 8-1, 10-1 bar. I mean, if this is a race, I mean, do, we have, do we have strong opinions here? I have made a rare venture into 
Hunter Chase backing territory with Cad de Berlin at Cheltenham, and so that's, uh, that's cured me of that's that it. one. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. But luckily I didn't have a bet in the bumper because uh, I would have lost there as well. So yeah, uh, Hunter go. Chase and uh, bumpers, not for me. Not for you. Andy, I know that, you, that there's no race that's not for you. I think you've, you have a belt on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I, so. I fluked the last two winners of the, the last year, they're both the top of man and this this race. They're just they're just great betting races. I, I like them because of the spectacle and um, I suppose a bit of a... A betting junkie, you do like to have an interest with something over the national fences, only on a small level. Of course, this is almost like a recreational bet rather than a yeah, right. Bet right. responsibly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, betting responsibly, but. Just <laughs> more often, You know, we are covering it, so mm. we, we've got to do justice all the same. Um, I think Road to Rome slots into the perfect aim three horse category, doesn't yeah. it? He's, he's a front runner. Um, these amateur rider races, stroke. Um, one one circuit races at Aintree often go to horses that race up with the speed. Um, Paul Jones, who does the um, um, st statistics for the ATR website, and he's done his own betting guide, Weatherby's guide, for many years. I used to actually write the, the his piece for him for, for the Fox Hunters. Uh, I did it for about three or four years running, and so obviously I was I was used to using the old stats. And virtually every year, the winner came from something that ran in the first three or four in the race. Um, just because the pace is relentless, you get jumping, you get an advantage by others horses making mistakes in behind. And if you've got something that stays well as well and jumps well, it's worth its weight in gold. And Road to Rome fits that criteria. I thought he ran a brilliant race at Cheltenham, finished fourth. He didn't stay in the end, but he, I mean, he, he gutted out from the front uh, and he was still banged there two out until his stamina gave way. But the other positive with him, if you're, again, if you're looking for jockeys and, ho and horse combinations, you've got a a bold jumping um, horse from the front, and you've got Sam Wiley Cohen on board, um, who's arguably pound for pound one of the best jockeys around what when it comes it? to these fences. Time difference between the Fox Hunters and Gold Cup was it? Yeah, it's quite big. Yeah, because so they, like they, 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 they they completely died in the back end of the race. Yeah. I think there was something like about eight seconds difference on the last circuit. They, they just fell into a hole, um, so it looked like they were, some of them were finishing. But basically, it was like who was going? Slow. Was, they were slowing down, <laughs> slowing down the least almost. Um, so I think Road to Rome's again the right favourite, but there's an Irish horse in this race that I think could be very useful if he takes the fence, and that's horse called Burning Ambition. He's only an eight-year-old, very lightly raced, but again, based on my figures, he clocked it down raw last time out. Um, he was on a par with a horse called Jury Duty. Yeah. I think most of you yep. guys know Jury Duty. Um, Gordon um, Elliott's horse, who was favourite for the National Chase a couple of years ago, and he's in the National. Uh, that was on the day when he won a Hunter Chase, so that tells me that he can operate at a fair level if he's beaten a horse rated in the 150s. Um, and it, it looks like they've had this race on, on their mind for quite a while. I don't know who they're going to get to ride. Um, but, um, yeah, he, he, he again likes to race prominently. He's got plenty of two-and-a-half-mile tactical speed. So look, those, those would be my two against the field. Rather unoriginal because they are the first <laughs> two in the market. Two, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Sounds like you need a William Hennecamp. There we go. But, um, but uh, and Nick, I mean, it was Andy... In the Cheltenham preview a couple of weeks ago, they tipped up Cataberle this year. It was you doing it in our Cheltenham preview the year before Cataberle, currently 16 to 1. Um, and I think you, you claimed some local knowledge there as being your, your steerer. Um, and in that fairness in that race, you know, he, he made our catching ground from last to, to about fifth late on. So do you have any little local nuggets for us here? For me, it's all about jockeys in this type of race. Mm. Jamie Codd, Sam Wheelie Cohen, Derek O'Connor, Will Biddock. <coughs> um, like, I... I, I you, if, I don't know if there's a statistic, but if you put all their names in a hat, I bet they're, it's well over 50% the races they win. They're mm. just worth 10 
probably more so pounds mm. in these sort of races. They're mm. just, you know, they're not an amateur. They're, they're only an amateur by name. And, you know, Sam Reddy Cohen on the favourite, but he, he did go very hard in the Fox Hunters and whether, that, whether that's left his mark. And very often the, the Cheltenham Fox Hunters doesn't work out to the Aintree Fox Hunters. I think, well, obviously, um, Pasha de Polo tried it a few times yeah. and never succeeded. And, um, you know, JP usually comes and wins it with the old horse there. But, um, you know, for me, it's just a jockey thing. Mm. Uh, just just on that, um, Will Biddick's on Wonderful Charm, jocked up, and Sam's on Road to Rome. But I um, think Wonderful Charm only runs if it's good ground like Cheltenham. Right. He, he has to have good ground. So yeah, he ran badly in it didn't he, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Beyond didn't he, I think yeah. uh, on soft ground he never got in the race. Yeah, none of the Irish big boys have been chopped up yet. No. So <laughs> to keep your eye out on, on Thursday morning, I guess for Wednesday evening to see who the who the yeah. jockey bookings are. Going back to Cade de Burley, which I backed in, in this year's Fox Hunters rather foolishly. He literally he never jumped. He no. never he battered everything. Yeah. He, it was almost as if he'd seen a ghost. Yeah. And normally his, his jumping's fairly good, but mm. he got towards the back, he got in behind, I think he hit one very early, I think he might have hit the first or the second. Mm. And he just completely puked himself all the way around. He never ever looked like engaging it at all. He yeah. just hated every minute of it. And you think, well if he if he sulks and he runs like that at at Aintree over these big fences, I mean he's gonna be at the back and like I say it's a very much a prominent race as track this the, the entry one, one circuit put, race put it into context Sam Wadey Cullen could have worked wonderful charm because I think his father's a part owner Kate, uh, Will Biddick probably would have had the choice between Cade Abelli and wonderful charm so, and he mm. shows wonderful charm so if you if they're not picking Cade Abelli a lot of them would have been offered it those yeah. so you, I think looking at the jockeys they get offered all the horses and it's a bit of a sign when they pick a certain horse for me mm. Mm. Move on then to the Close Brothers Red Realm Handicap Chase. Uh, we've got three at the top of the market in Brennan Das, Condor Castle and Eamon de Noik at 8-1. to one. Uh, Lady Button's back of offences at 10-1, to one, uh, along with Magic Saint, Azuri, Tainval, and then 14-1, to one, What's Wrong With You, Castle Grace Paddy, Dolos, Diego de Charmil. Um, Andy, I'll come to you first to try and make a bit of sense out of this, uh, out of this handicap. Um, well, this is one of the gambles of the season. It could be a, a, a fake gamble, to quote Donald <laughs> Trump, on Azuri. Um, I know the connections this. They, they own Chutabello as well. Ian Marmion is the uh, leader. And um, they, they basically have had this race in mind for quite a while for Azuri. But I texted him about a week ago saying, is, is this still the plan? And he said, yes, it is, but we'll never get in. I think there's only, was it 16 run a maximum, 18 run a maximum maybe? He's number 25 on the card. 18, I think this is. 18, so it's touch and go without getting, but he was 50 to 1 when, when the books opened. Yeah. And he's now down to single figures. Yeah. So, uh, But I don't think they've gone gung-ho. I think they might have just had a token bet on, but I don't think they've gone mad. I think it's just one of those, everyone spotted the plot. Um, but if he doesn't get in, it'll be a shame for, for the connections. Uh, and he does want quick ground as well, by the way, Zuri, so soft ground will be also concerned. So he's got the double whammy of A, not getting in, and B, maybe the ground gone against him. It'll be interesting to see what Tom George does with Clondor Castle. The fact that he decided to run in the Arkle suggests he thinks he's better than a handicapper. So if he does come back to handicap company, he's got to have a chance. And with the Tom George horses going well, and Tom knows this category, this division quite well, you know, Bundoran was yeah. second, unlucky oh. second. Uh, well, that was one that got away. Still can't believe that <laughs> didn't go by 66 to 1 shot on the running, having jumped and travelled great. Um, if he leaves this in this race here and doesn't go down the grade one route again on the Saturday then you've certainly got to have a look at him off a mark of 144 um, what's wrong with you ran perfectly respectably in, in the handicap company at Cheltenham but he would want soft ground as well um, 
and I think I thought Eamon Nanok ran really well at Charlton. I mean, they decided to run him in the cloak, um, and the brown advisory over two and a half. Yeah. I once said that was a massive mistake because he got form over two and a half and two, but his best run of the season was over two the time before at Chepstow when he travelled and jumped really well. So I think dropping back to the minimum trip with him uh, will suit. Um, and there was one other I was going to mention as well. Oh, Dolos. Now, sometimes he doesn't always find masses amount off the bridle. I'll, I'll take that on board. But when he gets a strongly run two miles and he's smuggled into the race, like he was at Ascot two runs ago, he's very good. And he didn't quite get home in one of the best two and a half mile form lines I've got this season on the figures at um, Newby last time in that great good handicap won by um, San Benedetto. Yeah. And that form's worked out well. Gala Ball and Valdez, who were second and third respectively, finished really first and second next time. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. What a ride that was, by the way. Absolutely yeah. Ride of season. Get, get lucky. Yeah. That was a very strongly run race, <laughs> and that, I think that form is absolutely bomb proof. Um, if he, I think, does he run in the top? Top him, yeah. He wouldn't run it too soft. He wouldn't run it too soft, but um, yeah, Dolos, back to two miles, he's another one to consider. But I suppose you've had to choose two out of the ones I've just mentioned. Dolos would be mm. one, and also Eamon uh, Nock. Those are my two against the field. 14 to 1, uh, Dolos, and Eamon Nock is 8 to 1. Tony? Uh, yeah, I, I had a good look at this race last night. Um, Eamon Nock, I thought that was one of my two uh, there. It was 10s on Monday. That went, I think the 8 to 1 is still fair. Um, I was on him um, at 16s and 14s each way in the uh, Cheltenham. Thought he ran really well. Like I said, I, I, I think the step back to two miles won't be any problem uh, given what he did to, to Caitlin at Chepstow. Uh, I think the Windocks, you know, seen him really step forward so I think he'll be definitely on the premises but for me um, there's a bit of a day in here um, I might I've had a little bit on but I'm waiting to see if it, if it gets to go ahead but if it runs uh, the better the day on the opening day is Duke in the van at 20 to 1 um, I just think he's got a lot lot going for it for a 20 to 1 shot I mean I'll get the negatives out of the way first. I don't. It's not jocked up, and I don't know if it's going to run, but I suspect it will. And also, I've got a little bit of a question mark about him being as effective in a very big field. And this is going to. This is probably obviously this is going to fill its eighteen runners. But but that said, I think he ran a really good race in Ireland last time. Uh, he's been raised three pound for that, but I think that's fair enough, especially considering that he was he was brought wide on the final turn and he stayed on really well there. So I think a mark of 144 is still very workable. That's the same mark as when he was just touched off by Modus at Cheltenham in October. Uh, they pulled well clear of the third that day. So I think the mark is definitely, um, you know, very very workable. Uh, he's got he's got a really good uh, third to Baby King over Cordon Distance here a couple of years ago. Uh, Nicky Richards is in really good form of late. Uh, he's operating he operated at a 24% strike rate in March and he's generally had a very very good season. Uh, the stables, you know, working at a really good strike rate throughout the campaign, and uh, not only that, I think the the re he has got a lot of good form on good ground. But if you look back, he's a heavy ground winner. He's got some really good uh, form last year on, on soft ground. I beat Big Marcher in the soft at, at Doncaster. I think everything is in place, you know, for a really big run from Duke of Navan. And like I say, I twenty to one. I mean, I'd I'd probably have him at half that price. So. I've, I've gone in, I've had half my intended stake on at 20s. Uh, I'll wait for him to be confirmed uh, and then I'll be going in again. But uh, Duke of Navan is, is no 20 to 1 shot in my eyes. 20 to 1 is available with Red Zone Sports, uh, with Ladbrokes, with Victor, 
Coral, Betway, and Unibet, and Blacktype. So hopefully, Tony, the listeners and viewers won't take your price. Uh, well, like I said, it's, like I said, it's, I, I, I played four places now, 29 each way. It's, an 18, it's going to be an 18 runner race, given that the way bookmakers operate, I think you'll find, uh, you know, firms are going to go at least five places on this. So even if you, you're taking 14s and 16 to 1, you'll probably be, if you're back in each way, you'll be compensated by the extra, extra at least one extra place as well. But yeah, um, he stood out for me. I was very surprised when I saw 20 to 1. Not often I try and add any value to these podcasts and videos, but I um, spoke to Adam Nicholl <coughs> before Cheltenham Festival. Um, who's obviously currently injured and didn't, couldn't take up the ride of Lady Buttons and he said that he really hoped that they'd keep Lady Buttons chasing because he said that in the rides that he'd had both over fences and over hurdles Lady Buttons needed to be basically just, just ready and tuned up for those big obstacles and we see here um, after you know a decent run in fourth um, in the mares at Cheltenham she's back over the big obstacles here and at 10 to 1 looks like a, an interesting proposition and can you kind of give us a bit of insight into how that would work and why some horses certain horses will just basically run better when chasing rather over the, you know, what you think would be the easier things to, to get over. It's, it's run at a different tempo a lot of the time, you know, you, you, the horses can make lengths of fences or lose lengths, whereas over hurdles, you know, you, you, you can get from A to B very quickly and there's not that much chance for a breather, but she's an electric jumper and I can see she's back in a handicap. I love it when horses drop back a downing grade. I see Diego de Charmo's in here. Um, he won the Grade One novice chase there last year, and off eleven twelve. And if Paul claims off him with Lorcan Williams off claiming five, puts him off eleven seven. You know, he's a Grade One effectively in a handicap, and he's chased around Altior a few times this year. Hasn't been dropped for that effectively, but off one five six, I thought he might have a chance. Diego de Charmel. I actually sat on him yesterday. I was in Paul's riding out, and he does ride like a proper horse. And he's probably the type of horse to come to himself in the spring. Um, probably been out of form all, all this year, but I think his best form always comes later on in the year. So um, he could be a 14 to 1. You know, they make Magic's same favourite. He was all the rage before the Grand Annual, didn't mm. really run any sort of race for me. Um, did win round win Canton, but you could pick holes in that form. And Azuri, as you flagged up, mm. but if you actually go through, back through Azuri's form, he's got nothing on soft ground. And if it was mm. soft ground, especially later on in the day on Thursday, you couldn't be fancying him. It's quite interesting, actually, when I went to place the bet on Navan, Ajuka Navan yesterday. There was a one horse, there was Azuri, and it was like suspended. So obviously there was, obviously there was a bit of a punt going on uh, there. Oh, one thing I would say about uh, Lady Buttons is uh, Philip Kirby. Obviously, he's going great guns on the yeah. over jumps of late. If you're going to have a check out his website, he's got a brilliant website. It's updated daily. Um, he does himself a lot of favours with that website. Yeah, currently on Lady Buttons, uh, Betfair and Paddy sticking their neck out at ten to one, as short as sixes with Bet365, so it could be one to jump on early if you want to back that one. And, uh, and Diego Charmil, as, as Nick flagged up, going very well at home, apparently 14 to one with the same two firms as well. Um, on to now the uh, last race of the day, which is the Mayor's Bumper. Um, as the race goes, there are no odds available yet. It probably won't be until tomorrow, Wednesday at about five o'clock, I wouldn't have thought. Um, but the man to my right has a ride. So, um, so let's Nick, find out who you're riding and, uh, and what your hopes are. I read a mare called, called Kisses for Kate uh, for Jeremy Scott. These bumper races, um, when they're in the graded race, you get a lot of ratings. Um, they give you ratings for these races. And she, she comes in fourth or fifth highest, joint fourth or fifth highest um, on, on, on the ratings. And she's actually in the, the other bumper on the Friday against the Geldings where she gets a £7 allowance. And if the owners allow... But he also owns Master Debonair, so she, she might have to go in this race. So she probably does line up. She finished third at Cheltenham in a listed race behind Master Debonair against the Geldings. Um, 
and then she finished again fourth in a listed race behind um, some very smart fillies. Um, on ratings, she she comes here bang up there with the form, and she'll be there, you know, trying her best. And I should think, just because she's trained by Jeremy Scott, um, no offense to Jeremy, but she'll be a bigger price because of that. Yeah, she, he, he will take offense to that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell him. Whenever you say no offense, uh, yeah. offense is normally taken. But if she if she was more Henderson or Nichols behind her, she'd probably be a ten to one shot, where she'll probably end up a twenty to one shot. Just, then. I mean, I personally find bumpers. Um, Difficult betting heats, and, and from what Tony said, I think he, he seems to feel similarly. Um, as a jockey, when you're approaching it, how do you? I mean, does it feel to you like they're, they're more difficult to predict? Does it feel like horses don't necessarily run with the merit that they they should? For me, I think it's. I was speaking to Tony off air. That you'd be a mad person to bet because if it, obviously I'm not allowed to, to bet. That, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know, but no, in these kind of races, because nine times out of ten you can get to the start and your race is blown. You know what entries like yeah. sort of on ladies, um, whatever day it is. Uh, injury on Thursday, but the buzz and the charisma, and you have to go in underneath a tunnel. But the time, and you canter three or four furlongs to start. By the time you got to the start, your horse could have run its race, you know, it's left its race, and everyone wants a position. You go very hard over the first two furlongs, then you pull out a lot of bumping. And these, they've only had one or two, three runs, some of these horses, and they're so inexperienced getting bumped, they race quite tight. And your race, you can go past the winning post first time, and your race is over, you know. Um, I've rode a lot of nice horses that have run in that race. And they come out to be good horses, but they have run no race in that, you know. And effectively, some horses have gone and won that race and not trained on. So um, it is the kind of race, it's very difficult, and you need a horse that's, you need to get to the start without running 60% of his. And when looking at last year's entry bumper, you almost want to ignore the, the where they all come, but just sit them all in a notebook, mm. because there's a reason why they're turning up there, and that's exactly. because they're well thought of at home. Um, Andy, I know you've got, you probably, despite the fact there are no odds, you've probably got a view. Yeah, Nick, Nick's already pointed out the, the um, race that I think could well be one of the key contests. Um, that was at Huntingdon. Nick was fourth on um, the horsey rides. Um, but the win I thought was quite smart that day. Uh, time to chill from an unheralded yard, Kelly Morgan. I thought that travelled through the race really well. Um, quickened it well. Idled once it at the front and probably might have won a little bit further if it would have sort of got its head down and concentrated. But the the key horse really is not not running in this horse called Silver Key, a grey horse of um, Paul Nichols's who finished third in that race, having sent off favourite, and then she went to Sandown and looked like she was going to win, and she rolled onto the inside rail um, on the swamp where it was all churned up, and it enabled um, Harry Fry's horse, Misty Whiskey, to outstay her in the end. Uh, but that Misty Whiskey does stay really well, so if they get plenty of rain and it's a test of stamina, she'll come into the, her own. And um, I thought White Hot Chili Philly ran well in that as well. Um, who finished fourth. She also didn't probably handle the ground as well as she might have done. She was good second the time before, beyond one of Kim Bailey's and a good time figure at uh, Warwick on better ground. I think Harry Fry, uh, it, it's gone on record really that he's probably got the best crop of bumper horses this season. Um, the older horse, the, the Geldings and the, and the Phillies, the Mares. Um, the horse that didn't run at Cheltenham probably would have won, didn't go there, yeah. went on to win the, new, the newbie race. Um, a little bit frustrated, <laughs> but there you go. But he's, yeah, he's got two. He's got two mares in this race, both quite good. Misty, Misty whiskey and uh, one hot chili filly. Just before we finish, I mean, you mentioned Sandown, the finish there. For me, watching races, I don't. I, visually, I just think they, they finish so slow at Sandown. I've heard. What is it about that? Course? It's more than anywhere else. I mean, they can go from really travelling at Sandown to just stopping in a matter of strides. What is it about that? Crowd. Just the ground is much softer up the home straight. You can race on slow side of good down the back. As soon as you turn off the bend, you can almost sit soft. 
Yeah. The, the difference there, if you read the code description, it always says good, good soft. Heavy or, or good, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, it's you, because they, they water on the flat course throughout the, throughout the summer. Yeah. Also, I think with sand down, you do everyone gets their position leaving the back straight. You want to be in a good position because yeah. it's before you turn in. But at the same time, you've still got a good three furlongs on the worst of the grounds. And you, you, you're all out by two furlongs out. So I think concept, jockey's perception, you always try and get a position earlier. Whereas yeah. other tracks, you get your position and there's only two furlongs to go, you know. It's a painful watching you battle on the sand. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're in front coming over the last, you just think, sometimes you think, just hang on for fourth, get your place money. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, I've never seen, well, just for me, it's just the slow motion track. It's bizarre. You know, it's been a good entry podcast when we end up talking about the straight at sand at the end of it. But uh, we'll talk about the, we'll talk about the, uh, the best bets um, of you all before we finish up. Tony, coming to you first, I think you know what it is. Yeah, Duke and the Van, uh, each way 20 to 1 um, in the red run. Andy? Best bets on the first day. Um, Just the one. Probably road to respect, I'd say, at the prices. Road to respect, 11 to 2, I think it was. And, uh, and Nick? Um, kisses for Kate each way. Kisses for Kate each way, and we'll see at what price that is going to be. Thank you so much, guys, um, for joining me. We're also doing a podcast and a video for both uh, Friday and for Saturday, of course, Grand National Day. So make sure if you enjoyed this, um, look for those, enjoyed by these three guests as well to get all their insights, all their tips, and those guests.